The makers of Chase and Sanborn Coffee, the blend that is friendship in a cup, presents the Chase and Sanborn Hour and your host, Rudy Valley. This is Rudy Valley saying hi-ho and bidding you welcome to another Chase and Sanborn Hour. Tonight as host pro tem... It is my pleasure to extend the glad hand for Dorothy L'Amour, Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy, Mortimer Snurd, Robert Armbruster, and the Chase and Sanborn Orchestra. To these regular forces, add the greetings to and from our special guests, John Garfield and Alan Mowbray. May we hope that all of you will continue to renew your friendship with Chase and Sanborn Coffee as regularly and loyally as you do with us. Lurking behind a newly blown, fully grown mustachio is a good friend of ours, a gentleman whose return it is my pleasure to herald. You know who that is, don't you, Charlie? No, who? Donald Dixon. Who? Donald Dixon. Never heard of him. Your friend, Charlie. Donald Dixon. Oh, what does he do? <laughs> well, blimey, he sings the right good song. And, Charlie, I trust that you, Dorothy, and I will set... Him a good example as we tripped a trio through the popular tune, Oh Johnny. Oh Bobby, it's yours. Oh Johnny, oh Johnny, women all cry. Oh Johnny, oh Johnny, you're quite a guy. You make each sad heart jump with joy. And when you're near, they just can't sit still a minute there. So, oh, Johnny, oh, Johnny, please tell me, too, what makes them love you so? You're not handsome, it's true, but when they look at you, it's just, oh, Johnny, oh, Johnny, oh. Oh, Charlie, oh, Charlie, here's how I feel. Oh, Charlie, oh, Charlie, you're my ideal. You are my splendid Romeo. And I am yours, my Don Juan, my jungle lover. Listen, oh, Charlie, oh, Charlie, when can I start to win your fickle heart? You may swear you'll be true, but you don't say who to. Golly, oh, Charlie, oh, Charlie, uh oh. Oh, daddy, oh, daddy, my lamby pie. Oh, daddy, oh, daddy, this ain't a life. So help me, you're the girl for me. I only flirt with Lombard to make you jealous. You so, oh, daddy, oh, daddy, what can I say? Make my bed awake. My head rings like a gong when you're in your sarong. It's so, oh, daddy, oh, daddy, oh, I can't think of anything quite so enjoyable as the reunion of good friends. Donald Dixon is a friend to whom the doors of this menage are always wide open. And equally welcome is the music of the beloved American composer, Victor Herbert. Thus, it is a twofold pleasure to hear Donald Dixon sing Victor Herbert's very beautiful ballad, Rose of the World. <laughs> In all the 
thousand gardens are roses sweet and rare, and some are proud and royal, and some are soft and rare. In all the thousand gardens, no roses blooming, no as fragrant or as tender, as sweet and fair as the. The star shall pass away. My dear, I love thee. Close all the world thou art, and close thy tender wine of Good to hear your voice again, Donald. It's mighty nice to have you back with us. Isn't it, Charlie? What? Yes. I say, isn't it good to have Donald Dixon back with us? Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Was he away? <laughs> oh, yes, of course, sir. Welcome back, Mr. Dixon. Welcome. Thrice welcome. Well, come on, sit down and <laughs> tell us about your travels. Your adventures in this precarious world of ours. Well, thank you, Charlie. I will. Where did you go? Well, I've been doing a lot of... Yeah, I know, but were they good to you, though? Well, they certainly... Did you bring us any presents? No, I I just brought myself. Just yourself, Uh uh-huh. Yes. So you didn't bring anything, huh? (laughs) No, but I thought of you very often, Charlie. Oh, you did? Uh Uh-huh. Could you afford it? (laughs) (laughs) Donald, now... (laughs) 
darling, now don't pay any attention to Charlie. We we don't expect any presents. Speak for yourself, Bergen. <laughs> you were only teasing, now, weren't you, Charlie? I was never more serious in my life. Is that true? Well, did you bring any presents now, huh? Well, I wanted to bring something, Charlie, but I sure. came out here by plane, and sure. well, when you travel by air, you can't carry anything very bulky or heavy, you know. Oh, no, that's right, no. But folding money doesn't weigh much. <laughs> Charlie, you haven't changed a bit. <laughs> and never have you, Mr. Dixon. <laughs> Unfortunately. Well, as a matter of fact, I did see something in a store that I intend to buy for you. Oh, you... Oh, Mr. Dixon, welcome thrice. Welcome. What are you going to buy me? A couple of bookends. Uh, did you say bookends? Uh, I said bookends. Bookend. Wouldn't you like that? Well, really, I'm so busy nowadays, I wouldn't have time to read them. Yes, Char- Charlie, well, aren't you ashamed of yourself? Well, no. No. <laughs> We should be thinking of what we can give Donald to show him how happy we are to have him back. All right, all right. Just so something happens. <laughs> Tell you what, we'll throw a party for Mr. Dixon, huh? Oh, well, really, I don't deserve anything like that. Well, that's beside the point. <laughs> <laughs> we'll throw a party for you anyway. How about coming over to the house uh, tonight, huh? You mean your house? No, your house. <laughs> What time will you be there? Now, wait a minute, Charlie. Uh, if we give a party, it'll be at my house. All right, so it'll be at your house. Well, will you be over at Bergen's at about 10 o'clock? I'll be there. Good. And when you get there, just yell, see? And then I'll help you carry it in, see? Carry what in? Well, you ain't coming empty-handed, are you? Oh, that's fine. You're giving me a party, and I'm supposed to bring the refreshments. Yeah. Well, I'm not coming. All right, don't come, then. You don't have to. Just send the stuff over by a boy. <laughs> or better still, just give me the money and I'll buy it. I think a five or a ten spot will swing this deal. No, I should say not. Oh. You're asking me for money to pay for my own party. Yeah. Well, that's preposterous. Listen, Mr. Dixon, either say you will or you won't, but don't tell me how to run my racket. All right. <laughs> Never seem to fail. Always have trouble with you when you come back from a concert tour. <laughs> we'll have to unlearn him a little. <laughs> well, Charlie, it looks like your scheme didn't work. Donald knows you a little too well. Yeah. Yes, but I'm glad to see Charlie anyway, party or no party. Yeah, well, I'm glad to see you too. Piker or no piker. <laughs> um, Donald, did you know that Charlie's been entertaining a country cousin lately? Uh, Mortimer Snurd has been his house guest. House guest? You mean barn guest, Oro? Oh, yes, I heard about Mortimer. Friend of yours, eh, Charlie? He's no friend of mine. That's Nerdville Snip. <laughs> well, I'll bring Mortimer out to meet you. Uh, oh, Rudy, uh, have you seen Mortimer? Yes, yes, I have, Edgar. He's having the time of his life talking to Dorothy Lamour. Talking to Dorothy Lamour? Well, can you beat that? I'll clip that Keokok cornstalk. I'll mow him down. Daddy. Daddy! Uh, i better get over there and break this up, Donald. Yeah. You know, you know Mortimer's a pretty bashful fellow, Donald. Well, just what kind of a boy is he, Rudy? Mm, he's rather difficult to describe. I'd say that Mortimer's definitely rural, happy-go-lucky sort of fellow who will never be a victim of higher learning. He has acquired the secret of relaxation to the point where he even lets his front teeth hang out. He's very amusing. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> Just call me brother, that's all. <laughs> oh, he sure is funny looking, isn't he? <laughs> oh, Munamanakura, I love you. <laughs> How's that, Donnie? All right, I think. Donald, this is, uh, this is the young man himself. Uh, Donald Dixon, uh, Mortimer Snurd. Pleased to meet you, Mr. Snurd. No, 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 no. <laughs> What's the matter? No, no. He's Donald Dixon. Oh, well, who am I? Well, you're Mortimer Snurd. Well, pleased to meet me. No, no, no. no. Doesn't sound right. No, no. <laughs> Hello, Mortimer. I'm <laughs> very glad to know you. Sort of silly, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh... This is Mr. Dixon. Well, what should I say? Well... <laughs> say that you're pleased to meet him. All right, I'm pleased to meet you, <laughs> Mr. Dixon. <laughs> uh, Mr. Dixon, yes, he's our singer. Yeah? Yes, mm-hmm. You heard him just a few minutes ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm pleased to meet you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, tell me, Mortimer, uh, just what do you think of Mr. Dixon? Hmm? Uh, I mean, sir? I, uh, what do you think of Mr. Dixon? Well, uh... <laughs> He ain't as pretty as Dorothy Lamour. <laughs> Mr. Dixon, where's your farm located at? <laughs> oh, he's not a farmer. Oh, he's not a farmer, no. Looks like kinfolk. No, no. <laughs> no, never mind that. Uh, tell me, what do you think of his singing? Well, the singing. Yes. Well, it may sound silly, but... <laughs> I liked it. Oh, you liked it? That's fine. Well, you should like it, after all. Mr. Dixon spent four years in the conservatory. Oh, uh, hmm? I don't know what? In a conservatory. Conservatory? Yes. Conservatory. Conservatory. Yes, conservatory. He did? Yes, he did. Did he water the flowers? No, no. No, no. Well, I didn't know I'm a stranger here. Oh, you're a stranger here. Well, it was a music conservatory, Mortimer. Mm -hmm. Have you ever studied music? Oh, me? Uh, oh, well, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> well, do you sing? Well, uh, <laughs> sorry, yeah. In my time, I've done a little hog calling. <laughs> Why, see, but, but Mortimer, I don't believe that musical critics recognize the art of hog calling. Well, maybe not, no. But hog calling brings home the bacon. <laughs> I'm a killer diller, riggy diggy. <laughs> We mortals have much trouble remembering what our dreams were about, but it appears that those who write songs are far from ordinary forgetful human beings. They seem to know everything, for they not only remember what they dream about, but what everybody else dreams about. Dorothy L'Amour takes their tuneful word for it as she sings about what happened many dreams ago. When my book of love was done Many dreams ago 
you and I were all aglow with love was so intended. Many dreams ago, something dim the flame and so it ended. Ended. Since then I've prayed for your return, my love. I begin teaching my heart to keep from thinking of what might have been. Many dreams ago, long before I came to know the war of being lonely. You were close to me. Now I have for company your memory. Only I close my eyes and see you in my arms. You cry, I love you so. Oh, how real it seems, though it happened many dreams ago. stream of food is rushed from city to city, from farms to town. Fresh foods, fruit, vegetables, milk and eggs. And in the same class, fresh coffee. Oh, coffee's a fresh food, all right. But I'd like to explain about that. You see, it's roasting that makes it a fresh food. Now, as long as the coffee is green in the sack, it doesn't matter how old it is. In fact, some kinds of coffee get better with age up until they're roasted. But once they come out of the oven, then we've got to hustle. That's why we've built all those roasting ovens across the country. So the roasted coffee won't have so far to go. And that's why we have our fresh food delivery service. It puts fresh coffee down in your grocer's store every few days. And the dates on every package. So you know your coffee is just freshly roasted. Rich and mellow, full of flavor. In fact, it's so good... That people call it friendship in a cup. And we don't leave any Chase and Sanborn dated coffee waiting around in the stores to be sold. Ten days is the outside limit, and the average is a lot less. 
You see, our drivers know they're handling fresh food, and they work it out with each grocer just how much dated coffee he'll need until his next roasting is delivered. And that keeps the price down, too. With this system in full swing, you get fresh coffee without expensive containers. We use the money-saving dated silver package instead and pass the saving right along to you. So you get better coffee and you pay less. All things considered, Jason Sanborn dated coffee would be a good buy at any price. As it is, it's a coffee bargain. Get some Jason Sanborn dated coffee in the new silver package tomorrow. It's delicious. A man's man, a grand person, and an actor from whom you may always expect and receive a sterling performance is our guest tonight, John Garfield. He scored such a great hit in Warner Brothers' Four Daughters that killing him off in the last reel only led to plots and plans to revive him so he could propel his talent and artistry in the sequel. Thus, you will soon see Mr. Garfield ghostily acting his way through Four Wives, and a mighty haunting performance he does in it, too. But tonight, John Garfield, very much alive, appears for us with Lorraine Tuttle and Wally Mayer and Agnes Ridgeway's original radio story entitled Courage a la Carte. Presenting John Garfield. scene is a small, inexpensive cafeteria somewhere in midtown New York. The time, a little before noon of a hot summer day. The tables are just beginning to fill up. At the moment, only three people stand before the counter. A middle-aged woman, a well-dressed young man, and a girl. The young man is idly flipping a quarter as he waits for the woman to be served. Here you are, lady. Tomato juice, chicken salad, the ice cream's up ahead. Next. Oh. Hello, Duke. Morning, Gus. How's tricks? Ah, not so good. What do you have? We got some nice uh, cold cuts. Keep them. I don't like cold junk. Uh, no beans today? No, no, no. It's too hot for beans. I'd be stuck with them. Say, we're running a special on bacon and eggs. Mm, 20 all cents. Right. All right, I'll take that. You can fry the eggs fresh. Okay. You're paying for them. Hey, and uh, no pepper. Huh? No pepper? Say, I wouldn't give you two cents for an egg without no pepper. No, it spoils them. All an egg needs is good butter and a dusting of salt. No, no, Duke, no. Pardon me, Duke. Huh? Oh. I just hate to interrupt, but when you two connoisseurs get through swapping egg recipes, could I get waited on? Why, uh, sure. What do you have, sister? Coffee. Okay. Say we got a special on combination just salad. coffee. Check. Well, here you are, sister. Pay the cashew up ahead. Can I get by, please? Why not, Blondie? You're skinny enough. Thank you so much. Shall I uh, flip your eggs, Duke? Why, uh, 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 no, 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 sunny side up. Okay. Why coffee? Huh? Uh, uh, no, no, it's pretty hot for coffee. If I want it, I'll come back. Check. Here you are, Duke. Eat hearty. Next, please. What'll it be, Mister? Twenty-five. Dollar twenty. Thank you. Uh, excuse me, but uh, is uh, this chair taken? You see anybody sitting in it? Uh, aren't you the little cut-up? Have you uh, the salt on your side? 
salt? No, there's none here. Of all the rotten service. Yes, it's not like the Ritz Plaza, is it, Duke? I suppose I'll have to get up and get it myself. By the time I get my lunch, it'll be... Co- What's the matter? What? Why, nothing. Not a thing. But, but you, you were looking at my plate as, as though you couldn't take your eyes away. Oh, you're crazy. Listen, I don't talk to strange men. You... You... You're hungry. Hungry? Me? <laughs> All those dumb ideas. <laughs> I'm not hungry. I tell you, I'm not hungry. You're lying. The look on your face when you looked at that food. You're lying, Blondie. All right, so I am hungry. So are a lot of other people. Sure, I know. But a girl. Listen. Um, I haven't touched this. Take it and eat it. Say, what do you think I am? You can't feed me like you'd feed a stray cat. I'm not trying to. I don't want charity. I'm not offering it. I'm getting out of here. I didn't come in here to be insulted. No, wait. Sit down. Listen, stupid. You got a wrong slant on things. Suppose we were crossing 6th Avenue and a truck went through a red light and you didn't see it coming. You wouldn't know me from Adam. But I'd stick out my hand and grab you, wouldn't I? Oh, sure, but that's different. Why? Listen, Blondie... With two human beings living this thing they call life, living it at the same time, walking the same road, going the same place, most likely. What's the difference what smacks you? A truck, a streak of tough luck? I hold out my hand to you, okay? Someday you turn around and hold out yours to somebody else. Is it as simple as that? Why, sure it is. We don't even have the brains to see it. Go ahead, Blondie. Clean up that plate. Okay. Oh. a girl. So you better order yourself some more bacon and eggs, hadn't you? Oh, plenty of time. I don't have to be at the theater till one o'clock. The theater? Gee, are you an actor? Well, uh, there seems to be a little difference of opinion on that. You know how critics are. They... Hey, listen. I might as well tell you. That was my last nickel I spent for this coffee. Huh? Yeah, sure. I, um, I heard about a job uptown, 72nd Street. I was going to use the nickel for subway fare, but... Last I ate was yesterday noon, and I felt kind of funny. So I thought maybe I'd better get the coffee and then walk uptown. But it's 70 seconds. Well, that's 30 blocks. Yeah, I, I figured that out for myself. Say, you... You don't mind if I spoon up this gravy, do you? Huh? Oh, no, no, no. Go ahead, Blondie. Oh, gee. That was swell. What I mean, swell. Life looks different now, doesn't it, huh? Yeah. Gee, now I could walk to Harlem and back. <laughs> hey, that's funny. I couldn't have laughed at that when I came in here. No, I know. You'll find courage in strange places, Blondie. At the end of your rope, in a plate of bacon and eggs. Yeah. And... In somebody's eyes looking at you. Maybe across a lunchroom table. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Well, I... I guess I better be getting along uptown now and land that job. Yeah, I got to get my lunch over. I got to be there by one o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll be toddling. Seventy seconds a long way when you're walking. Um, listen, Duke. I, um, well, I guess you know there's no words I could say that tell you how I feel. Oh, that's all right, Blondie. You're welcome. Yeah, wait a second. You can't walk uptown in this heat. Oh, go on. Sure I can. I feel like a million now. 
No, 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 listen. When I said that about walking to 72nd Street, I wasn't asking you for coffee. I know that's stupid, but you can't hoof it that far. You'll be a dead pigeon by the time you get there. You want to keep what you got. Here, Blondie. Buy yourself a subway. Yeah. Okay, Duke, thanks. And listen, that job's mine, see? It's just waiting for me to come and get it. But if... Well, if anything to just happen, I don't get it. Well, there's something I found out since meeting you, and I'd like you to know about it. What's that, Blondie? Well, I don't know just the right words for it, but what I mean... Well, this is my world. Mine as well as the next fellow's. I belong here. I, I'm a part of things. I got a life to live. And I'm going to keep that idea tight inside me. And if I've got that, nothing can hurt me. Not being hungry or all alone. Or people being rotten and stupid. You get what I mean. Yes, I think I do. Well, I'll get going and let you get your lunch. Bye, Duke. So long, Blondie. Good luck. Hey, Gus. Uh, what do you have, Duke? Uh, listen, Gus, how's for a cup of coffee, huh? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Hey. Hey, wait a minute. Yeah, I mean, on the cuff. Oh, no, nothing doing. You owe this joint a dollar sixty now. And I'll pay it just as soon as I get a job. Listen, Gus, I'm seeing Abe Levy this afternoon about a party. Oh, yeah? And me, I'm having tea with the king and queen. No, it's true. There's a walk-on part opening a new show. Levy's secretary sneaking me in to see him. Just a cup of coffee, Gus. I haven't eaten since yesterday morning. That quarter was all the money I had. Well, what are you beeping about? You just had a plate of bacon and eggs, didn't you? Well, I... Yeah. Sure. Sure. You got a nickel change, ain't you? You want coffee so bad? All right, cough it up. Well, what do you say? Are you having it or ain't you? Hmm? No. No, no. I think I'll hang on to what I got. Okay, it's up to you. Well, uh, I'll, uh, I'll be getting around the theater... Yeah, yeah, tell Levy you won't take less than a grand a week. Maybe I will. Someday. You know, Gus, it's funny. I found courage in strange places, but I never thought I'd find it in this dump of yours. I, uh, I don't get it. No, I know you don't. And here's something else you won't get, but I'll tell you anyway. This is my world, Gus. My world as well as the next fellas. I belong in it. I'm part of it. I've got a life to live. While I know that, nothing can hurt me. Not hunger or fear or, or people like you. This is Rudy Valley, and the chase in San Bernardo continues. In my opinion, an opera of outstanding merit, worthy of all the praise heaped upon it, is Umberto's Giordano's masterpiece, Andrea Chenier. The aria usually evokes the loudest applause, cheers, and bravissimos is the stirring Nemico della Patria, enemy of the country. Donald Dixon sings it. Nemico della Patria Fiamma che 
Gardenia in a well-pressed lapel, a feather in a rakish hat, and a humorous twinkle in a discerning eye put them all together and they spelled that super bon vivant, that suave de la suave man about town, our very welcome guest tonight, Alan Mowbray. Hello, Alan. It's nice to see you. Why? (laughs) I don't know. Do I have to have reasons? No, Rudy, but I didn't think you'd recognize me. Why not? Well, believe it or not, Rudy, I'm a new man. Is that so? Absolutely. I suppose you've been told this before, but you're the image of Alan Mowbray. Really? Absolutely. (laughs) Flatterer. (laughs) No, seriously, Alan. In what way has the Mowbray of old become a different person? Well, it's like this, Rudy. I feel there comes a time when a man should settle down. Forget the bright lights and the pretty faces. What? Well, the bright lights, anyway. (laughs) And set himself up in business. You know, something to fall back on. Something to fall back on? Yes. Naturally, my first thought was a couch. (laughs) But that's... That's a stuffy business at best. <laughs> yes, of course. Well, what business did you finally go into? I'm going into, Rudy. Present tense, and that's where you come in. Me? What do I do? Oh, not a thing, nothing at all. Now, if you'll just give me your check for $1,000 for equipment... Uh-huh. Oh, not so fast, Alan. What equipment? What kind of business is this? Communications. Communications? Radio, telegraph, or stagecoach? Pigeons. Pigeons? <laughs> yeah, that's right, Rudy. Carrier pigeons. Carrier pigeons? What is this? Is there an echo around here somewhere? <laughs> no, that was little me gasping at your great enterprise. Carrier pigeons. What an idea. Oh, you can call me a visionary if you like, Rudy. But remember, they laughed at Fulton. Who's Fulton? I don't know. <laughs> but they laughed at him. <laughs> I wish I was Fulton. Now, now, if you'll just give me your check. <clears throat> Alan, wait, wait a minute. Suppose you do send a pigeon out with a message. How do I know he'll find his way home? Oh, it's elementary, my dear Valley. My pigeons lay eggs on the way out, and on the way back, they just follow the white line. Very clever. Well, naturally. I only use very superior birds. College graduates, of course. Now, are you convinced? Mm, not a thousand dollars worth. Look, how much would it cost me to send a message, say, to San Francisco? Well, Rudy, I think I could make you a very reasonable proposition on that. Let me see, San Francisco. Right. That'll be one dollar to deliver the message and fifty cents on the trip back. Why the difference? The bird I'm sending knows a shortcut on the way back. <laughs> Smart bird. Then why doesn't he use the shortcut on the way up? What, and lose fifty cents? <laughs> Smart bird. All right, I'll try your system. I'll send the message. Fine. Now, what kind of message is it? Business or social? What's the difference? Well, if it's a greeting, I'll send it out with our social message division. And just what is that? Well, that's manned by parrots. Parrots? Yes, I I still say there's an echo around this place somewhere. (laughs) Yes, parrots. You should hear them. I send them out and they sing Happy Birthday to you in four-part harmony. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful, Alan. Yes, well, it's, it's a nice touch, I think. And now about that $1,000. Uh... Another nice touch. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> Rudy, you don't seem to understand. This is your big opportunity. With all those birds working for you, pigeons, parrots, woodpeckers... Woodpeckers? Why, yes, for office work. They tap out messages. What? <laughs> what messages? Oh, anything that comes into their heads. You know, I have very imaginative birds. You write a message and they edit and revise it. I might say we get some very surprising results. I can imagine. Another one of your special services, I presume. Yes, that's right. We undertake to do almost anything. 
You know, one time, Rudy, I had to send out one of my ace pigeons, a bird named Joe, to shadow an airplane full of smugglers. Sounds exciting. So what do you think happened? The pigeon laid an egg? No. Oh, no, he was just about to discover the smuggler's hiding place when he sprained his left wing and had to make a forced landing. <laughs> That's terrible. What did you do? Well, we towed him in. Towed him in? Yes, you know. Pigeon toad. <laughs> Oh, I wish I was Fulton. <clears throat> Poor Joe, he never got over it. He used to pace the floor night after night, muttering to himself. Horrible. A pigeon told pigeon. A disgrace to his profession. Yes, that's the way he felt. Till one day I sent him to New York through a howling blizzard. None of the other birds dared to go out, but Joe volunteered. Bravo. I suppose he came through with flying colors and redeemed himself. No, we didn't hear from him for three months. Oh, if he had only written... <laughs> And then finally we found him frozen stiff on top of a steeple. That's a shame, Alan. So you just uh, charged Joe up to profit and loss. Oh, don't be silly, Rudy. I sent out the head of our legal department, a smart-talking raven. And he made a deal with the man who owns the steeple. Now we have Joe out on a nice monthly rental. He's a weather vane. <laughs> it's a great organization you have, Alan. Yeah, thanks, Rudy. Now, if you'll just sign the check for a thousand. Yeah, now, before I give you my check, tell me something. What is it, partner? Partner? Where do you get your birds? Oh, practically any place at all. However, I'll never forget my first bird. Oh, that was a beauty. I was standing on the stage of the Palace Theatre singing... Uh, well, so long, Rudy. <laughs> Thank you. So long, Alan. While playing saxophone in an English band in London in 1924, on an afternoon off, I witnessed the performance of an English musical review entitled The Co-Optimists. A particularly bright spot of the show, looking at it from the musician's standpoint, was a delightful song called I'm in Love with a Girl in a Crinoline Gown. So looking at it from the singer's viewpoint, here goes. Long ago lived a dainty maid, sweet and staid. She was shy, she was pure, so demure. One fine day came a lover bold, so I'm told. And he burned and he sighed and he cried. Alack a day, well a day, woe is me. I'm in love. With a girl in a crinoline gown Sunshine lies in her eyes So demurely cast down Ringlet curls that stray so charmingly Rosebud lips that tempt quite alarmingly Hoops that sway seem to say you keep my lover away When she walks and she talks with the blades of the tongue La, but her mama wears a terrible frown Though papa seems to glance at me killingly I would steal that maid right willingly I'm in love with a girl in 
Say much ado, pretty scene, Gretna Green. Her papa in his coach pursued. He was rude, found the inn, banged the gate just too late. Then from inside, someone's voice softly cried, I'm in love with a girl in a crinoline gown. Sunshine lies in her eyes, so demurely cast down. Ringlet girl that strays so charmingly, rosebud lips that tend so alarmingly, groups that sway seem to say. You keep my lover away When she walks and she talks with the blades of the town Love but her mama wears a terrible frown Though papa seems to glance at me killingly I would wed that maid right willingly. I'm in love with a girl in a crinoline And our granaries are bursting with nature's generous gifts. It's a time for feasting and good fellowship. So this news just fits the season. Yes, and when you talk about the good things of nature, you certainly can't leave out coffee. Because the planters in the tropical countries grow coffee just the way farmers around here grow, well, say, apples. Now, some coffee is good and some isn't. And you can't make a good blend without good quality coffee. Any more than you can make a good apple pie without good apples. Now, when it comes to Chasen Sanborn coffee, it's made of some of the finest kinds of coffee in the world. Rich, fine coffees that are just full of flavor. In fact, they're so good that in recent years, more people have changed to Chasen Sanborn dated coffee than to any other kind. And then there's the freshness. Now, I don't believe anybody would want to deny that coffee is a whole lot better when it's fresh. Fresh coffee has more flavor and richer flavor. And Jason Sanborn is fresh every time. As soon as it's roasted, it goes into those new silver packages and out to grocers. And the date is right on the package, so you can be sure it's fresh. It's delivered in every store every few days, freshly roasted, just brimming over with rich, wonderful flavor. Yes, sir, this coffee is so mellow and so satisfying that people call it friendship in a cup. And another thing, using that silver bag instead of expensive containers is quite a saving. And you get that saving yourself when you buy the coffee. You get wonderful coffee. You get it fresh and you pay less. So I'm sure you'll want to try it tomorrow. 
Well, Charlie, this is our guest, John Garfield. John, this is Charles V. McCartney. Hello, Charlie. Hello. Are you out of the clink again? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, out of the clink? Well, I saw you in a picture where all you did was get in and out of jail. Well, which one did you see? I don't know. I think it was, uh, uh, the name was, uh, Dust Be My Destitute or something. <laughs> no, no. Huh? No, not destitute. No? No, no. Fruit-a-toot? No. Tootie-fruit? No, no. I think it was destitute. That's what it was. It was not. No? No. All right, what was it, wise guy? It was dusty, my destiny. Yeah? Yes. Uh, no, I don't think that's right. I don't think so. Well, it was when I saw it. Yeah, well, what theater did you see it in? Oh, what difference does that make? I don't know. As a matter of fact, Charlie, John Garfield has played in many other films besides prison pictures. He has, huh? Well, yes. Oh. Well, name four. Name four. Well, well, there's, uh, there's four daughters. By golly, I didn't think you could do it. Yeah. <laughs> four daughters, huh? Yes. Which one did he play? No, no. <laughs> Don't be silly. John, you're doing a sequel to Four Daughters now, aren't you? Yes, Edgar. We just finished it. It's called Four Wives. Oh, Four Wives. Uh-huh. Four daughters, four wives. Say, I got a swell title for your next picture. <laughs> What's that? Uh, four bits. <laughs> <laughs> Say, and uh, speaking of Monier. Oh no, you don't, I, Charlie. Uh, oh no. No. Oh, another Dixon, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyhow, Mister Garfield, on account of dust be my institute. No, no, no. <laughs> dust be all quiet, Bergen, all right. On account of dust, uh, et cetera, I dashed off a prison playlet in a sort of a lighter vein. Uh, what do you call it, Charlie? Uh, I call it uh, Who's Who in the Who's <laughs> From the clink of the same name. <laughs> what kind of a part did you cast me in? Well, you're an outcast. Uh, a little confined. You're in for life, see? Curtain, Niles. Open the cell door and let's make a break for it. <laughs> The curtain rises reluctantly on Act Two of Charlie McCarthy's one-act play. The scene is the Bidewee home for bad boys in Sing Sing, Key of A. We discover one of the jailbirds, Droopy Dixon, gaily singing a tune. <laughs> oh, the hanging tanitiver in the morning. Oh, shut up! <laughs> that guy's a pest to any wooden face. Yeah, he sure is, Gat. See, there's so much racket around here. I'll never get my needlepoint done by Christmas. Ah, <laughs> uh, we ought to quit picking on Droopy. Yeah, I guess we ought to that. Yeah, he ain't well in the noodle. Ah, uh, I noticed that. Uh, if he ain't singing, he's sitting around twirling a spoon in an empty cup. Twirling and twirling. <laughs> What's the matter with him, anyhow? I don't know. The guy is stir-crazy. <laughs> Say again. Are you in for a long stretch? 
Oh, they didn't say, but I figure I am. Yeah, sure. What makes you think so, huh? Well, they, uh, they give me a striped suit with two pair of pants. Oh, that's bad. That's bad, that's bad. Two pair of pants, that's bad. Yeah, that's yeah. bad. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. What'd they get you for, Wooden Face? A little job I pulled down in the vegetable market. Yeah. Little tough thing there. See, I was snitching some watermelons and, uh... What happened? Well, I was making my getaway when the cops, they come after me. I plugged three. Three coppers? No, three watermelons. <laughs> couldn't you get away with it, huh? Yeah, I tried to beat the melon wrap, but I couldn't squash it. Huh? That's bad, that's bad, yeah, that's, that's bad. bad. Yeah, that's bad, yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, Wooden Face, I got it fixed to get out of this joint. Yeah? Want to make a break with me? Well, uh, when, when do you think you're going to lamb out of here? Oh, we'll be out by Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, huh? Be more definite, too. <laughs> Expect to do it anyway. With this file here. You Yes, he is, Warden. Yeah. Well, please be as quiet as you can. You're disturbing the other prisoners. Uh-huh. First thing you know, they'll all want to do it. Copycats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's patoyed. I beg pardon, Gat, but what are you doing now? Reading, your mug. Oh, do you like to read? Oh, sure he does, especially that book. That's the one the file came in. Oh, I'm in favor of education. Who wrote the book? It's by Houdini, Secrets of an Escape Artist. Hmm, that's nice. What's that noise? Maybe someone's trying to break in. (laughs) Waffle! Cheerio, I made it! (laughs) You made what, Mug? Oh, so sorry. I thought I was working on an outside wall. (laughs) (laughs) Say, who do you think you are anyway, breaking in like this? Oh, let me introduce myself. I'm Limey Bob, the scourge of Piccadilly, number 10364, but my friends call me 103. Oh. 103, eh? Uh, yes. Uh, nickname, you know. Nice. Nice, don't you think, Gad? Oh, definitely, Woody. Yeah. What got you in the jug? A woman. Uh, <laughs> no, it's bad. A bad, woman, bad. huh? Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, they make a lot of trouble. Yes, sir, this one wouldn't let go of her pocketbook. <laughs> that's bad. That's bad. That's bad. That's bad. That's bad. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. Well, Limey, Limey, if you want to break out, work on the north wall. That's the outside wall. Oh, thank you very much, Warden. You're a great help. Hello? Hello, is Wooden Face McCarthy there? Oh, just a minute, please. It's for you, Wooden Face. Hello, Governor. No, this is Switchboard Lamour, the operator. Oh, the operator. Oh. Yes. Are you number 3293? <laughs> Why, uh, right you are. That's me. <laughs> well, I have just called to tell you that your number has been changed to 935. Well, thank you. <laughs> 
Well, I'll have to get to work. I promised my mall I'd be out of here by Christmas. Well, you better ch- start chopping because that wall's pretty thick. Yeah, and there's only 34 more chopping days till Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> that's bad, that's yeah, bad, that's bad, that's bad. That's bad. That's bad. <laughs> Donald Dixon sings Lord, I Want to Be, a deeply moving spiritual. The splendid musical background was arranged by Stuart Willey. Tonight, another show of memory, tomorrow another dawn. And with tomorrow's rising sun, the air will be filled with the fragrance of a new day. And another fragrance, too. The fragrance of breakfast and coffee. In your home, we hope it'll be the appetizing aroma of Chase and Sandburn coffee. If by some chance it is not, well, we wish you'd make the change and see if you don't agree with us that Chase and Sandburn coffee means friendship in a cup. We'll all be back next week. Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy, Donald Dixon, Dorothy L'Amour, and Robert Armbruster and the Chase and Sanborn Orchestra. Our special guests will be Loretta Young and Vera Vague. So until we all meet again next Sunday, this is Rudy Valley anticipating another high hope. This is the National Broadcasting Company.